All right. So, I don't know if any of you are having a, a panic attack thinking about this. Um, I, I think this is interesting that really less than 120 years ago, just over 100 years ago, that's, that's what life would have been like. Um, normal life, every day, you wake up, that's what happens. But somehow, now, now we, we are deeply uh, aware of this need to be connected to things, to connected to the outside world. Have you ever been traveling somewhere new by yourself and not have cell phone service? And you, and you have this eerie feeling like, okay, either something could happen and, and, and I would need to get a hold of somebody and I can't, or someone's trying to get a hold of me and, I, and they can't. Um, you, and then all of a sudden you kind of enter in this new area and all of a sudden you, have, you see bars on your phone and there's this, okay, I'm, 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 I'm good. So we're, we're like wired for this now. It's, it's completely um, ingrained in us, our need to be connected to, to the rest of the world, to, to, to the outside world. The quarantine has also taught me how much I need to be connected with others. Um, and, and there was a point in which this summer where I was like on the verge of being depressed thinking about you people not coming back to school. <laughs> it was like, not only is this my job, and now you guys give me something to do. But it was like, okay, so what's this town going to be like? Like, what is life going to be like if, if, if you all just decide to stay home and stay online? That's kind of what... And then, and then the more I talked to some of you and the more I talked to new students and saw the excitement and just desire to get out of the house and get away from home and to come here, it was like, there is a God, um, you know? And, and, and I think it's more than just that you're wanting to spread your wings. I think there is this, I mean, we've had more participation in some of our events at the beginning of the year than ever before. And, and I think we've all been reminded of our need to be connected. In fact, I know at least one of you that decided to come to OSU because your other college that you were enrolled in decided to go online. Anybody else? I know, I know there's at least one. She came all the way from California because we were having in-person classes. So maybe one other. But it's, it's amazing. Like our, our need to be connected is real. So I want to, I'll, I'll get back to that and talk a little bit more about that. But last week, Drew talked about this idea of a gospel-centered life. So we got him hanging here on the walls. Uh, last, year, last week he talked about this, he, and he encouraged us with this idea um, that all of us are made to kind of head toward the end goal, to, to shoot for. We, we, we all are aiming at something, and it kind of drives our decisions, and it drives the things we do. He said, he used this fancy big, big boy word, teleological. He says we're teleological beings. The Greek word telos is this idea that, this, that there is an end game, end goal, or an aim in life. And he says we're teleological. We, we have this desire to, um, to, sh- to be aiming at something and it drives what we do. Then he encouraged us that to consider making Jesus and His kingdom that aim, that end goal. And the reason being is because of the gospel. The fact that God created us in His image, He, he created us to, to, to know and to love Him, and we chose to take the things He gave us and to use them for our own purposes, called sin, and that brought separation between us and Him. And then He, then he started immediately a plan to redeem us and to restore us 
that, that culminated in Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. And so Jesus came and he lived the perfect life because we can't. And he died this death for our sins so that we don't have to. And then he conquered death by raising back to life victoriously so that someday, by putting our faith and trust in him, we will too. So Jesus comes and, and, and gives us new life. And because of that, he says, we should live a gospel-centered life. It's, it's letting the, the reality of the gospel uh, integrate it into every area of our life and live, in, live from that reality. Last year in Romans, we, we talked through the book of Romans, and we talked about these two things. We talked about letting the cross of Christ, His sacrifice for us, letting it determine God's opinion of us. Um, the fact that he, he loves us. The fact that He wants a relationship with us. So, letting the cross determine God's opinion of us. And then, and then letting God's opinion of us define us. Instead of being defined by what we can do or what we have or what others say about us, it's, it's letting the truth of the cross and God's opinion of us define us. So, letting the cross determine God's opinion of you and then let, let God's opinion of you define you. That's what it means to live a gospel-centered life. But tonight I want to talk about this one. This, this idea of having a life in Christ. The, the, the New Testament talks a lot about this idea of being in Christ. When, when you accept Him, when you are baptized in Him, when you follow Him, when you, you are in Him. You are in His body. You are in Him, it says. And so we have this... Um, we have this opportunity to, to grow in a relationship with God. And so I want to talk about, uh, and I lost my notes, lost my place. Where are we at? Oh, here we go. So, here's what I want to say. Um, we talked about 120 years ago. So I, w- I want you to think about 120 years from now. What will, what will matter most to you in 120 years from now? Okay, spoiler alert, you'll all be dead. I'll be really dead, uh, as Drew likes to remind me. But in 120 years, you'll be dead. And in that moment, after you're, you're gone, what will matter most to you? Okay, take a minute, think about that. It's an interesting question. What will matter most in 120 years? So here's what I want to propose to you. I want to propose something to you, and then I want to describe it, I want to defend it, and then I want us to experience it together. So here's what I want to propose. That what should matter to you most is that you know and love God. Okay? Is that you know and love God. I said it earlier in, that God created us to know and to love Him, and I believe that that's true. I believe that that is the highest, um, the highest human experience, is to be in relationship, to have intimacy with your Creator. 
this, this world, by the way, and we'll talk about this as we go on this year, this semester, but this world wants to tell you over and over and over that the highest human experience that you'll have is, is a love, romantic, sexual relationship with someone else. That's, that's what this world is pounding into your head constantly, that romance and sex, that's the highest human experience. But the Bible doesn't talk like that. The Bible says that you and I were created to know and love Him, and so therefore to have an intimate relationship with the Father, with, the, with our Creator, that's our highest human experience. Um, so I want to propose to you that that should be the most important thing. So here's what I mean. When I say to know and love Him, I mean to know Him, I mean intimately and relationally. To, to love Him, I mean faithfully and obediently. When I say God, I mean Father, Son, and Spirit. I mean, I mean three in one. So let me describe it. Um, after you're gone, actually right before you die, you won't care about how much money you made. You won't care about um, the, the kind of cool toys you had. It won't, you won't care about prestige, recognition. You won't care about leaving a legacy. Um, it's not what you have. It's not what you do. It's not what others say about you that will matter most. But to know and love your Creator, your Savior, and the sustainer of your life. I believe that. And that's what I want to propose to you. That's what I want you to consider. I want you to get to the end of your life and believe that knowing and loving God mattered to you most because Jesus set you free from your sins, which allowed you to um, use the gifts and abilities that He's given you to bring Him glory, to benefit others, and for your great joy. I believe it will allow you to be the best man, woman, husband, wife, father, mother, friend, son, daughter, employee, employer, student that you can be. I believe that um, I want you to know uh, that knowing and loving God helped you to see God's perspective, which is radically different than this world's perspective, which will allow you to be a life-giving presence to the people that you meet. I, I believe that knowing and loving your Creator um, and being sat is being satisfied in Him and the gifts that He gives. It's not going through life constantly searching for meaning and for purpose or for someone to make you feel better about yourself. But knowing and loving Him is being satisfied in Him. So now, you're not, you're not hoping to for others to fill you up, you're, you're full hoping to pour out into others. To know and to love your Creator and Sustainer and Savior of your life is to live a full life. So, let me give you three reasons why I think that's, this should be the most important thing. Okay, Three reasons why knowing and loving God should matter most. First one is this. It's because of who He is and what He's done. He deserves it. He deserves our time. He deserves our attention. He deserves our worship. So here's what God says. Actually, if you have a Bible you want to turn, uh, this, these are phenomenal verses that you should, you should underline in your Bible. Uh, it's Jeremiah 9. Um, Jeremiah is a book in the Old Testament. After Psalms, Pro Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, 
So, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. This is what God says about this. He says, this is what the Lord says. The wise person should not boast in his wisdom. The strong should not boast in his strength. The wealthy should not boast in his wealth. But the one who boasts should boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, showing faithful love, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for I will delight, for I delight in these things. This is the Lord's declaration. That's what God says. This is how Paul said it in, in Galatians 2.20. This is how he understand who he was in his life now because of what Christ has done. He said this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. He deserves it. He's earned it because of who He is and what He's done. Second reason is that you can't live the life He's created you to live disconnected from Him. You can't live. You can't live this life disconnected from Him. So, turn to John 15. John 15, one of the, it's the fourth gospel in the New Testament. And in this chapter, Jesus is speaking and He's giving an analogy of a gardener of a, a, a vineyard, a vine, and its branches. John 15. So Jesus is going to, he's going to use this analogy to describe why we need to stay connected to Him. Okay? So this is what He says. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, He he removes, and, and He prunes every branch that, that produces fruit so that, it will be, so that it will produce more fruit. So here's what He's saying. The two options are, we are branches, He's a vine. So if we are either a branch that doesn't bear fruit, in which what will He do? He removes. And if we are a branch that does produce fruit, what will He do? He will prune. And if you've ever pruned a tree or pruned a bush or prune something, you know pruning involves cutting. It involves trimming back. It's like performing surgery. You know, Thank God for anesthesia because when a doctor cuts into you, he's not trying to harm you, he's trying to help you. And, 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 but it can be painful. And so pruning can be a painful process, but it's ultimately to produce fruit. So he says in verse 3, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Again, he's saying, I'm the one who provides life, you're the one who receives life. That's how this works. And when you stay connected to me, when you don't stay connected to me, you'll stop growing, you'll shrivel up, you'll die spiritually. And I, as a pastor, for the now, for the last 20 plus years, 
I've seen this happen over and over. But those who stay connected to Him, there's growth, there's fruit, and there's um, life-giving presence in this world. So that's the second one. That you can't stay, you, you can't do this life disconnected from Him. Third reason is that Jesus helps you love better and love impacts everything. So a, a few verses down in John 15, verses 12 and 13, He says this, This is My commandment, love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. Another verse, 1 John 2, 5 and 6 says, but whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as Jesus walked. So your life in Christ will produce fruit in you that will be life-giving to your friends, to your family, to your roommates, to, to your classmates. Your life in Christ will give you the, the, the right perspective when you are afraid. It'll be the light to the darkness around you. It'll be an anchor in the midst of a storm that you're in. It'll be a healing balm when you are hurting and broken. Your life in Christ, your relationship with God is the thing that gets you through everything. It's the thing that gives you perspective on everything. Growing in a relationship with the Creator and Savior and Sustainer of your life will help you Know who He's made you to be and know how He's called you to live. That's why it's, it's the one thing that I think impacts everything and therefore it is worthy to be the most important thing. So, He deserves it. You can't do it without Him. And He'll help you love better. So I've described it. I've, def- I've defended it, so to speak. How do you experience it? How do you spend time with God? This is one of my favorite things to talk about. How do you spend time with God? I have to say, we have to talk about this. I want you to realize, all of your time is God's time, by the way. It's not like you, you spend 15 minutes with Him in the morning, and you're like, God, I gave you 15 minutes, here you go. And then the rest of the day is you. It's all you. That's your time. But the 15 minutes that you spent with Him, that's His time. No, it's actually all His time. The Bible describes Him as being present always. It describes Him as being sovereign over all things. And He says, all of your time is is actually my time. I just let you use it. That breath you just took, He let you have it. Even though it's through a mask, He still let you have it. Right? So everything is His. The, the time that we have is His. It's, so it's recognizing, I'm not just giving Him 15 minutes. It's I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally working on our relationship during this time. So when, when people use that term, they often talk about um, you know, spending time with the Lord or, or a quiet time. Usually what they're describing is prayer or reading the Bible or something that is rightly focused on God. And I don't think God wants us to read the Bible 24-7. One, you can't, because you need to sleep. Um, 16 hours a day, I don't think He wants you to, to do that. I don't, I don't think that's what He wants. Drew talked about that last week. That's not the goal, is to just give Him 
to spend time more and more and more reading the Bible. No, I think there's some things He's called you to do, and you got to do them. So, this relationship with God is what sustains you living out the things He's called you to do. So, I want to give you some practical things um, to spend time with God. Okay, I'm going to give you four practical things. Because here, here's my experience, is when we talk about having a relationship with God, when we talk about spending time with God, I think we talk about it, and if you've raised, if you grew up in a church, you, you probably have heard somebody talk about that a lot, and, and I think we all just nod our head like, yeah, we all know what we're talking about there. And I think more than half of us go home and go, I have no idea what they're talking about. I don't know what to actually do when I sit down. I don't know what I'm supposed to read. I don't even know how to read it. I don't know if I'm supposed to pray the whole time, if I'm supposed to journal. I don't like journaling. Does that make me a bad Christian? You have all these things that go through your head. I do too. Or that didn't go well. What's it supposed to go like? I don't know. So I want to give you some practical things. Okay, first thing is this. Have a plan. What? Or sorry. When, where, and what? Have a plan. When, When are you going to do it? Is it the morning or is it the evening for you? Where are you going to do it? Are you going to do it outside on your back porch, in a a chair in your room, on your bed? Where are you going to do it? I think it's important to find a place that is somewhat sacred for you, a place that is free of distractions for you. So, where, sorry, when, where, and then what? What what are you going to do? Are you going to do a study? Are you going to pray? Are you going to read something? I'm going to give you some some suggestions, okay? A couple things. So these three suggestions I'm giving you are kind of, for me, the most, the go-to ones for me. These are the three types of things that I do when I spend time with God. One is like a Bible reading plan. Uh, Right now, I'm I'm reading a, a, um, it's a 15-day plan in, in Psalms with a friend of mine, Kevin. And so it's really cool. The Bible app now has, if you don't have the Bible app, ask somebody. They would love to show you what that is. But the Bible app has these plans. I, we selected a plan. And then you can say, then you can invite somebody into this plan and you can do this thing with them. And it creates a little chat box for you to talk about what jumped out at you. So Kevin and I have been doing this now for a few months. And right now we're in Psalms. Um, here's another one. This is a, an essential, it's called Essential 100. Uh, 100 chapters of the Bible, like the essential 100 chapters of the Bible, and it has little punch-out things, and, and I have several of these up here, and if you want one, they're free. You can come grab one, take it with you. This, by the way, 25 years ago, this is what started my relationship with God. So I was 19 years old, I grew up in the church, someone um, challenged me uh, to, to have a relationship with God that I didn't have. And through all that, I said, I need to, what do I, where do I start in the Bible? And he gave me 100 chapters of the Bible, and I started reading one chapter a day for 100 days. It took me about five minutes. And that, those 100 days, everything changed. And I am living the life I'm living right now because of what happened in those 100 days. I went into it going, God, I, I want to give you my life. I don't know what you want from me, but I'm here to whatever you want. So I'm not saying that's going to, it's going to be that amazing for you. But I'm telling you, just spending 100 days in the Bible changed my life. So that's one. The second one is this A devotional plan, a book or something. This one's a great one. It has scripture up top. 
no, actually, no, it has a, a theme, has something to read, and then it has scripture at the bottom, and, and I've loved this one. I would say any devotional that focuses on knowing and loving God, because not all devotions are the same. You don't want to read something that's just going to help you feel better about yourself. You want to read something that's going to point you to Him, because in, in finding Him and knowing and loving Him, you, you come to understand who you are in Him. So a devotional, and then the last one is just picking a book of the Bible and kind of reading intentionally through it, okay? So like the book of Philippians or the book of Ephesians that we're going to, we're going to study this year. So I want to challenge you, have a plan, do something, okay? So that's the first one, have a plan. And then once you, once you have it and you're going to start, second one is this, start with surrender. Start with surrender. And here's what I mean. Recognize who you're sitting down to talk to. Not some um, genie in the sky. Not some grandpa sitting on a porch. The creator of the universe. The one who made you and who made everything and holds everything together. Gives you every breath that you have. He's the one you're talking to. So there is, a, there is an appropriate way to enter into a time with him where you say, God, I... <laughs> I give this time to you. You know, have your way in me. Um, show me what you want me to see. It doesn't have to be long, but it has to be, it doesn't have, just heartfelt, recognizing who you're with. So start with surrender. Third, after you read whatever you read or pray whatever you pray or whatever, allow time for prayer reflection. Allow time for reflection in prayer. Don't just read it, check the box, and get up and go. Allow some time to go, okay, let me let that sink in. What's happening here? Let me read it again. Let me see what's going on. Reflect on it. And the lastly is respond in faith. What should I do now? How should I live now? How, how does this impact my day? Respond in faith. So have a plan. Start with surrender. Allow time for reflection. And then respond in faith. So we're going to do that. We're going to practice that. So the when is now. The where is here. And the what is Psalm 130. So if you have a Bible or, or your phone, look up Psalm 130. Because I'm going to have you read this on your own here in a second. Psalm 130. By the way, this was the psalm that Kevin and I read today in our reading plan. And it was so good that I wanted you to read it too. So, but before we read it, I want you to take a minute or two or however long I'll give you and think about what I've just said. Is something rolling around in your brain? Is something, is something fighting for your attention and to write it down? So reflect on what I've said, pray about it, or write down whatever's on your mind. So take a minute.
Okay. And now take 30 seconds. Take 30 seconds and ask God to speak to you through His Word. To show you what He wants you to see. Psalm 130. I'm going to read it once and then I'm going to have you read it and I'll give you some instructions. I'm reading from the CSB by the way. If if you're on a phone and you want to switch to that translation so you can kind of follow along. So here's Psalm 130. Out of the depths I call to you Lord. Lord listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. Lord if If you kept an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. I wait and put my hope in His Word. I wait for the Lord, more than the watchman for the morning. More than the watchman for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For there is faithful love with the Lord. And with Him is redemption in abundance, and He will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Alright, so here in a second, I'm going to have you go ahead and read that on your own. Hopefully you can see. Um, You're going to read that on your own. And then spend a couple minutes reflecting on a verse or something that jumps out at you and allow those verses or that verse to lead you into prayer. So pick something that's kind of jumped out at you and, and, and let that lead you into a prayer. So go ahead and read the chapter and take a couple minutes. Go.
Okay. So, honest confession here. Is that weird for some of you? Silence can be deafening sometimes. I don't know about you. I, sometimes I, I'm put in these uh, a position where I'm asked to kind of read and pray and think, and, and all of a sudden my mind just starts racing with things I'm thinking about. And it's hard for me to focus. I don't know if you experience that. Or if just, just the fact that, okay, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, or I don't know what to say. That's normal, by the way. That's totally normal. And it's something that you, you grow in, something that becomes more natural as you have this relationship with God, as you're inviting Him into every area of your life and throughout your day and recognizing that all of, all of your day is his, is his time, it becomes normal to have a conversation with Him throughout the day. So, But I would love to hear any, if anybody had something that jumped out at you, like if one or two of you, just something from this psalm that jumped out and why it jumped out, would anybody want to volunteer? Okay, thank you, Allie. good. So she, she, for those of you who couldn't hear, maybe she's pointing out verses 5 and 6, this idea of waiting and hoping in the Lord, and how it's easy when she's anxious to just fill her time with things, to be busy with things, instead of waiting and putting her hope in Him. So, really good thoughts. Anybody else dying to share something? Yeah? Hallie? Yes, Haley? So she's describing the, the, the last couple verses, the faithful love of God, and that his, this faithful love is not um, surprising, right? It's, it's constant. Is that kind of what you're describing? That's something you can count on? That's good. So these verses, you know, it, it doesn't take, it can be simple to sit down with the Word, let it speak, to spend time, to, to reflect, and to let that lead into a time of prayer, which, which can kind of lead you right into your day. I had several things that jumped out at me. Um, 
But, I, you know, as I think about this, this particular chapter, what, what really jumped out at me for me was this idea that God is um, he's someone I can cry out to. There's times in my life and seasons where I find myself kind of crying out, I need you, help me. And it was just a reminder that, yeah, that's what he's there for. And, and I needed to be reminded of that. I also love the waiting and hoping in him. Waiting and hoping in him. So, um, I would love to talk more about this and, and maybe if you have specific questions, if you want one of these, if you want to talk about other, other resources, I have plenty. Um, but I just want to remind you, like in, in 120 years from now, I want, I, want you to be, I want you to be thankful that you look back on your life and thought, you know, I, I, I spent my life knowing and loving Him, and that led me into a life uh, where I was giving life to others, where I was pouring out myself to others. And that's a full life. That's a life full of joy and service. And it doesn't mean everything goes perfect by any stretch, but that God uses everything that happens to, for His glory, for, for others' benefit, and for your joy. So, I want to pray, and then we'll be done. I think someone's going to come up and give a couple announcements, and then, uh, then we'll continue. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for its reminder to us that we can put our hope in you, that you are a God that is, wants a relationship with us, that you went to great lengths, um, you, you lived sacrificially, you died and you conquered death so that we can be reconciled in you, so that we can have a relationship with you. So God, I thank you for that. I pray that, that each of us would, would wake up tomorrow excited to spend some time with you. And I pray that that would sustain us and that you would give us grace in that moment. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.